What a blessing it is to be here today. So I want to ask you, if you would, to turn to John chapter 8 this morning. In John chapter 8, we're going to be continuing our study on this definition as to who Christ is. And today, uh, since it is Palm Sunday, I'm going to take a little bit of a, a detour from that, that format that we've been looking at John with. And I want us to be looking at how should we then act How should we behave? What should be who we are in Christ by definition? Who are we? We know Jesus is. We've been studying that. and, And this very definition of Jesus causes the believer to live in such a way that we just behave and we act differently than everybody. Now, everybody in the church, I know you're going to agree with this, but we are not saved by our works. Amen. Our works do not save us. But the work of Jesus fundamentally changes how we behave day to day. And there's some great points from uh, this story. Now, before we get there, you guys heard earlier, Brother Daniel was reading out of out of uh, the scriptures where it was talking about the triumphal entry of Christ. And we get that great picture of Jesus coming in on that, on that donkey, right? And he's coming in and everyone's laying their coats down and their palms down. And they're saying something that's very beautiful. And, and I love it because they're looking to Jesus and they're saying, what? What was the word? Do you remember? Hosanna. Everybody say it on three. One, two, three. They were saying those words to Christ. They were worshiping Jesus. And, and some of the people probably had it right. You know, some of them probably had it right. And some of them probably missed the point. I mean, honestly, we know that a lot of them missed the point. Because in just a few short days from that occurrence, many of them were crying to crucify him. The same folks that were saying, Hosanna to the the son of David, Hosanna to the king of kings. They turned around and said, crucify him over a known criminal. And today, I, I don't want us to be those folks. I don't want us to be the ones that are, that are going out here and saying Hosanna because you know what? We're Southern Baptists and that's what we say. But rather, I want Hosanna to be something that's from our hearts. And fundamentally, we are changed that it's not just words that we sing or say or live, but they're, they're words that mean something because God is real and that Jesus loves all of us, that he seeks to have a relationship with us today. I'm not here to preach religion, church. I'm not here to even preach Southern Baptist things. I'm here to preach Jesus Christ, our living hope. He is our living hope today. And I, I, a lot of people say, well, how do you come up with sermons? And I, was, I, I always say this. I just open the Bible because the word speaks for itself. Honestly, I don't have enough good stuff to talk about apart from the word of God. It's the gospel is what we should be proclaiming. And not just in a pastoral role, but as members of this church, as Christians, we should be out proclaiming the gospel. Don't you agree? Look at John chapter 8. Jesus is talking to these people. He's continuing this conversation. And, and if you'll remember, he, he talks to a woman who's caught in adultery earlier on in the chapter. And then Jesus proclaims that he's the light of the world. And then you had these, these Pharisees who came after him. And they were like, hey, you know, who are you saying you are? And Jesus basically tells them, you don't know who I am because you don't know the Father. You, you, you're just way off track here. And so these people need to be set free, just like the people on Palm Sunday. They needed to know the truth, did they not? And you and I today, we need to know the truth. And, and Joe and Diane down the street, I hope that's not somebody really here in McLeod, but Joe and Diane down the street, they really need to know Jesus. They really need to understand who he is. But John chapter 8, Jesus says this to them. Look here, 
starting in verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son, though, he remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, your word is evident and clear. Lord, we, we read it and we are fed today. Our scriptures are not just a book. They're, they're not just a, a history, a poem, a telling of a story. These, these, these are words of life. This is where our faith comes from. Lord, I pray today that these words would wash over our hearts and that we would leave here different than when we came in. Lord, may we not be like the crowd singing empty hosannas and hallelujahs, but may we sing from the bottom of our hearts because we have been changed by you, the Redeemer God. And we ask this in your name. Amen. I think if we could look at that story of the, the folks worshiping Jesus as he came into Jerusalem, I, I think if we could make one little observation this morning, I think we could all say that Jesus had it right. You guys agree to that? Jesus had it right. Did he not deserve the praise? And he had it right in such ways that he was actually predicted that he would come into the city in like manner. Jesus had it all right. He's the savior of the world. And as sure as Jesus had it all right, I want you to guys get this. The crowd had it all wrong. They missed the points. They missed the point. I know, no doubt you know this, but the truth of the matter is, is a lot of those people were wanting a political slash military leader to come in and just vanquish the Romans. They wanted to be a free people once again. They wanted that type of movement in their society. But Jesus did not come that way, did he? He came to bring life. In fact, Jesus is the way to life. Man's way, though, is the way to death. What seems right to us is not the right way. You know, I mean, how many of you, if somebody cuts you off in traffic, do you just say a prayer for them and say, I love you? I believe probably most of our, if we were to be honest here today, I know there's some holy roller out there, maybe, maybe, maybe one of your deacons, you never cuss anybody out while you're driving down the road, okay, all right? <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. Christ desires that you and I follow him in such a way that it affects every way that we speak, everything that we do, the way that we live. That's what he desires from you and I today. And it's not because we're good enough, right? We're, none of us here are good enough. Your pastor's not good enough. I do get irritated when people cut me off in traffic. I will confess today. I don't like that. Joni will tell you, I like to talk to people while I'm driving. I know they don't hear me, but I talk to them. Oh, you're in more of a hurry than I am. I understand, sir. Go right ahead. You know, we've all said such stuff. You know, that light's not going to get any greener, sir. Can you push the gas? That would be awesome. 
They have one shade of green on lights. I don't know if some people know that or not, but they do. It's one shade of green. It doesn't get greener. Like, oh, we need to go more now. Of course, you got the people in Oklahoma City, they like to drive through the red lights like five minutes into a red light. You know, they're still cruising right through it like there's not a red light in front of you. We are all a depraved people, but honestly, when it comes down to the matter is that Jesus came to redeem you and I today. We are called to be redeemed by Jesus Christ. He's the way to life. Man's way is the way to death. What seems right to us is not the right way. So we have to find ourselves. I want you guys to catch this because the people in the crowd missed it. I pray that a lot of them came to their senses and the Holy Spirit spoke to them and they changed their ways before their time came. But you and I today, we have that opportunity to make those changes, to to hear the word of God today, to be different than when we came in this place. That yes, maybe you'll leave here a redeemed Southern Baptist and someone cuts you off and you're like, man, I love that person. I want to help them get to the place they're going sooner. Probably won't happen, but I'm praying that it will. I'm praying for myself that it will. But you know, we hear a lot of talk in our society today about being on the wrong side of history. Have you guys ever heard that phrase before? You don't want to be on the wrong side of history. You don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Here's what I want you to understand. We do not want to be on the wrong side of redemption. There's a lot of us that are. There's a lot of believers today that say they believe in Jesus Christ, that they, they follow Jesus Christ, yet they don't live like it. They're, they're, not, they're not following Jesus to the, to the utmost. And there's some things that define a true follower of Jesus. If you'll notice there at the beginning of chapter, uh, well, the beginning of our passage there, verse 31, it's, it's talking about Jesus had spoke to these people who had believed. You guys catch that? So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed, in the previous uh, passage of Scripture, what we read last week, we knew that a lot of people believed who Jesus said he was. Now, their belief was probably kind of strewed a little bit. They they didn't totally get it. They thought he was like the Messiah, as in going to come and and get rid of all the the Roman influence. They They had a weird kind of definition as to who Jesus is. And so Jesus, who does he talk to? I mean, I look at this passage and I say, he's, a, he's, he's our God, he's perfect. And I think he'd had it about up to here with the Pharisees. And so he's speaking directly to these people who said they had believed. And he lays out what it means to believe. I have a lot of people, even Southern Baptist circles, they want to argue, what does it mean to be saved? You know, we want to argue Calvinism versus Arminianism. Well, here's what I do know. And here's what I focus on as a pastor is the whole Matthew 28 mandate is that you and I need to be a people who are making disciples. It's not my job to judge one way or the other. It's my job to proclaim the gospel, advance the gospel, and to make disciples. We as a church will continue to grow if we become disciple makers. It's not programs. It's not your pastor preaching louder and louder every Sunday or something like that. We become a people who actually value making disciples with people in our community showing them the way. And Jesus talks about this. What does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to to be defined as a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, if you'll look there, uh, first part of uh, verse 31, Jesus says this. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If I was to make a point one this morning, my point would be followers of Jesus abide in his word Everybody chew on that for a moment. Followers of Jesus abide in his word. Jesus speaks to these people who say they believe. You know, they're they're saying, Jesus, we believe in you. We're still here listening to you. And he says, if you're a follower, then you're going to abide in my word. Does everybody catch that this morning? 
We need to be a people who, this book is not just something we dust off every Sunday morning and take it to church. It's not just an app on your phone that you, that you have access to all the time. The word of God is our lifeline. It's what we need to be ever adamant about. We need to be getting closer to God by getting closer in his word. Jesus cautions this group of believers, not just to be in the moment believers and followers, but he cautions them to be ever abiding in the word. And a true believer is defined by that, that they are always in the word of God, that they're always following what Christ would say to us. And this word truly, it's a lifeline in our daily life. It's what you and I need today. And so we have to be ever adamant as much as we can to make sure that this word of God is where it needs to be. And it's right here in our heart. You know, in the Old Testament, we're told that, you know, your word have I hid in my heart that I what? That I might not sin against you, God. There's, there's an importance in that thought, that the word of God, it, it, it helps us. It, it strengthens us. And by these words, faith is developed. It's impossible to please God without faith. And, and if we're not into the word of God, then it's going to be impossible to please God. I could preach every Sunday four or five times the rest of my life, but if I don't have faith in God and I don't worship him in spirit and in truth, it's not going to account to anything. We have to be a people who understand that followers abide in the word. So we must, we must prioritize that, that idea that, that the word is, is our lifeline. It's not just something we say, but something we do. Our Wednesday nights, our youth group stuff, our, our CAs, our Sunday school programs, all of this stuff that we do all focuses on the Word of God. We study the Word. And there's a reason for that, because that's where our faith grows. This morning, I don't, you know, get up here and read out of the first book of Daniel, right? Let me, let me, let me uh, clarify that. The first book of Daniel Henson. Let's not, let's not go into this, you know, well, we're going to hear what Daniel has to say. It doesn't really matter what I think. What matters is what the Word of God says matters is that that we get these words in our heart that our faith may grow because a true follower of Jesus abides in his word. I gotta ask a question today of the church. You guys ready? This is a question I think we need to be thinking about all the time. Are we going to interpret the Bible with culture? Or are we going to interpret the culture with the Bible? I want you to think about those, those words for a moment. Are we going to interpret the Bible with culture. And that's what some people want to do. They want to look at the Bible and try to try to implant worldly thought as to what this means. You may have people that say, well, you know, Darwin was right. Uh, this is just all like, you know, uh, storytelling about the creation. Darwin was right. Actually, we all have evolved. That's what some people want to try to do, right? They want to look at the scriptures and say, well, you know, it says the world was created in six days, but a day is actually a thousand years and blah, blah, blah. I mean, we try to do that instead of just looking at the word of God and just believing what it says. We, we don't want to do that. People today, they want to, they want to, you know, have a new definition as to what it means to be a man or a woman. And we want to, we want to define that based on what the society is saying instead of looking into the word of God and saying, God, what do you say about this? What is it that you say about that? How about giving to the church or, or ad, ad, being a people who answer the call? We may say, well, you know, as a member, I only have to go to church on Sundays, Daniel. And I bet a bunch of us in here can relate to this. How many of y'all are tired on Wednesday night? Raise your hand. Just be honest, right? You tired on Wednesday night? How many of you are tired on Sunday morning? You know, I was chasing kids yesterday. I was trying to watch Joni and I both. We're trying to watch Jaron, of course. 
while Jet's playing ball. You know how impossible that that is? I'm like, what just happened? Like some kid got a T called on him yesterday. Not, not, not Jet. Surprisingly, it wasn't Jet this time. But a kid got a T called on him. I was like, what happened? And they're like, we still really don't know what happened because we were looking at, you know, Jaron over here, like throwing cars on the, on the basketball court, you know? Real constructive stuff. But so much of the time, you know, we, we are so distracted by the things of this world that we do not give our time to Jesus. And Jesus wants us to be a people who are looking at him and we're not inter- interpreting um, the Bible with culture, but rather we're looking at the Bible and saying, God, what do you say about this? What, what is it that you say? You see why a follower of Jesus gets into the word? The people that day on Palm Sunday, when Jesus come riding in there, they were trying to take the culture that they had created, which was we're going to have a military leader come and save us from a military coup. We're going to form this coup and we're going to go out from here. David, David's son will be here and we're going to go and we're going to defeat the Romans. And they took that culture and implanted it into the Bible and then read the Bible in like manner. But if they looked into scripture, we know that the Old Testament does one thing. It all points towards Jesus. Every, every ounce of the Old Testament. Yes, even Leviticus. Yes, even Deuteronomy, even Numbers. Those books that we all just love to read, right? The entirety of scripture points towards Jesus. And they missed it because they were trying to interpret what scripture had been telling them with cultural perspective. So today we need to be a people who follow Jesus and abide in his word. If Jesus Christ is not the central figure, this is A.W. Tozer, by the way. If Jesus Christ isn't the central figure in our lives and in our churches, we're only fooling ourselves. I thought those were wise words from A.W. Tozer, that, that if Christ is not the sinner, then we're just fooling ourselves. If, if it's denomination, if it's pastors, I've been a part of churches sometimes, or, or seen churches, or you know, been a part of ministries even, where the, it was all about one person within the ministry. It's not supposed to be that way. Christ is supposed to be the center of our lives. And a true follower abides in his word. The second point I want us to look at this morning is followers of Jesus know the truth. That sounds good, doesn't it? What does Jesus say to these folks? He says, okay, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples, verse 32, and you will know the truth. How many of y'all want to know the truth today? We've probably all at some point in our lives said, just tell me the truth. Have you screamed that at the television, at politicians? Just tell me the truth. Maybe you've yelled it at your kids. Just tell me the truth. This truth goes beyond a lot of truth that we may be thinking about right now. Jesus wasn't just talking about truth. And truth is subjective, I guess, for some folks. But honestly, truth is something that exists in Christ and in Christ alone. Again, the world's trying to take culture and define what truth is. No, we look to the word of God. We look to Jesus and that's what we find truth. That's where we find it is in Jesus. It's not not in things of this world. So followers of Jesus know the truth. If you're in the word of God and you're following Jesus, you will know truth. And the truth is Jesus. Jesus, just a couple chapters over, we're not quite there yet, but John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's Jesus' words. And it's, and it's, it's timely for you and I today to understand that. Because what is truth? It's not just a philosophical truth. It's, it's the truth of truths. There's, there's nothing deeper than it. It's everything else is falls to the wayside. I mean, you remember when you were a kid and you believed certain things? And then when you grew up, you found out that those things weren't true. 
and you found out what truth was. And now all of a sudden those things that you thought was truth back in the day, now it's just, it's just like, I can't believe I believe that. I can't believe that was something that, that I followed that I thought was true. You know, maybe you thought that there were, you know, a boogeyman in your closet or something like that. Then later on, you, you figure out, no, that's not a boogeyman. That's just stinky socks or whatever. You know, it's not, it's not something that we think in our minds as a kid. Or you think that, a, you know, a shadows passing in the night, that that's some kind of monster or something. But you find out later, that's just shadows. That's all it is. It's a tree moving, right? When you find out what truth is, it changes everything. And Jesus implores today his believers to know truth. And in knowing him, we know truth. Billy Graham said one time that truth is timeless. I want to stop on that quote just for a second. Everybody think about that. Truth is timeless. The truth that Jesus is the son of God, was that, was that relevant in that time period? It was. Was it relevant in the 1800s? Yep. Is it relevant in 2022? It is relevant. It doesn't change. It's, it's a truth that is it's timeless. And Jesus is that timeless truth. Billy Graham goes on, he says, truth does not differ from one age to another, from one people to another, from one geographical location to another. The great all-prevailing truth stands for time and and for eternity. You know, going to a a foreign country, maybe to do a mission trip, maybe you're going to Mexico, maybe you're going to Turkey, maybe you're going somewhere like that. That truth that is true here is true there too. There's just people in other parts of the world, if they don't know Jesus, they're just believing a false truth. So, as believers, we become a people who follow Jesus and know the truth. When you know the truth, it does something for you. If you know the truth and you know, okay, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of God's glory, but the gift of God is eternal life for all those who believe. And so if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, then we will be saved. That's scripture, right? I'm not coming up with some Baptist doctrine. It's, it, it's, it, it's cross-denominational. Uh, it's cross-cultural, that truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you live in that truth, there is a peace that just surpasses all understanding. That you just, you live a life that, you know, even though if the worst things happen to you, you still have peace. Because the truth is, is that Jesus is king. And Jesus is the king that we need, not just the king that we may want. The third point we look at this morning is that followers of Jesus experience freedom. They experience freedom. Not, not the freedom that like, uh, you know, Wallace experienced in... Braveheart, I know there's probably some Braveheart fans out there, but you know, you can take our lives, but you'll never take our freedom. You guys quote Braveheart like the Bible. That's pretty sad, actually. But the, the thing is, is that, you know, in Braveheart, they're, they're living for freedom, right? They're, they're wanting, they're fighting for freedom. That it's, it's everything to them. Freedom is everything to them. And for you and I today, knowing Jesus, abiding in his word, being a people who, who don't just abide in his word, but we also know the truth and we live in the truth, then we're going to have this thing called freedom. And freedom is a wonderful thing. Today, you can leave this place. You can go stand out here in the corner and preach the gospel and no one's going to arrest you. You know, no, as long as you don't do anything else illegal, you're not throwing Bibles at people or, you know, while they're driving by or something like that. But as long as you're just preaching the gospel, guess what? You're, you got that freedom. You can go get something to eat today. You can drive down the road. You have the freedom to go pay a whole lot of money to fill your gas tank up. Amen. What a great freedom we have today. 
We have freedom, but spiritually speaking, we do have freedom. And what we see here is Jesus is not talking about cultural or religious freedom. That's what the people wanted. That's what the people, you know, that were waving and singing Hosanna to Jesus. They wanted a cultural freedom. They wanted that in their life, but that's not even what Jesus came about. Jesus was talking about freedom from the human condition, freedom from sin. You guys ever get tired of sinning? You ever just get tired of the, the effects of sin? You know, sometimes people, they, 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 they think, well, I, I just don't know why all this stuff's going on, you know. I don't know why all this is happening. Everything happens for a reason, though, I guess. But sometimes things happen just because we're dumb. I'll be honest. I know everything happens for a reason. God's in ultimate control. But sometimes because of our sin, bad things happen. Because we behave in bad ways, bad things happen. But if we live in the truth of, of Jesus, and we abide in his word, then we experience a freedom that's beyond anything. You're not having to worry about stuff. You don't have to worry about somebody sneaking up to you around the corner. I remember as a kid, there was maybe three times that I ever lied to my mom and then she found out. But, but like in the meantime, when maybe I was trying to hide something, maybe it was a bad grade or like maybe I was supposed to be somewhere and I was somewhere else. You remember that one, mom? <clears throat> I lied to mom and I don't know how they found out about it, but I was supposed to be at a friend's house and I was uh, downtown Oklahoma City back before it was like a kind of safe place to be, you know? Back in the early 90s, went to a car show. I don't know how they found out about it. I, it might have been that I was, you know, uh, behind a camera like, woohoo, yeah, you know, like doing this thing. And they probably watched the news and said, oh, well, there's our son. He's, he's not at Clark's house. They're all downtown at the Daryl Starbird show. But I remember even like coming home that night and they were like, well, where you been? I was like, well, been at, I just stopped right there. I was like, I wasn't at Clark's house. I just had to tell it, you know, because honestly, that night was a very miserable night for me because I knew I was lying to my parents and I just, I had this weight on my shoulders, right? But as soon as I told the truth and I lived in the truth and I let them know what was going on, it was like something after my dad beat me, it was like a, like a huge weight off my shoulders, right? It was like, oh wow, you know, I don't have to walk around being careful of what I say or what I do because i got to cover up for this past lie. And that's the same way spiritually for you and I, if we walk in the newness of life that comes in knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we walk in freedom, you know? There's, there's, there's nothing that can come against us. There's no shadow that can cover us. There, there's, there's nothing like that that can happen because living in freedom is a wonderful thing. Freedom allows us to walk in peace. And the thing about peace is that peace cultivates power. The times in my life when I felt so much out of control was when I didn't have any peace. But if you have peace, it's like, oh, I can, I can get through this. There's like a power in that. It's not spiritual, but think about this. Whenever you all have payday, how do you feel that day? Besides a little bit sad, but... For the most part, we're all like, hey, we can go out and eat today, you know? You, there's like a power, right, in that. But spiritually speaking, when you have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords backing your life, there's power in that. It's not our power, but it's, it's the power of God, right? That, that because he's there, we can go out and do great things for his glory. But it's, it's not something we have to be afraid of or scared of. Followers of Jesus experience this type of freedom. And we can have this Holy Spirit-given power to point people to Christ, which is honestly the call of the church today. My, my job today is not just to please people. And some people in the church think that. Well, the pastor, his job is to make me happy. 
make sure the music's good, make sure that the sermon's the perfect length, make sure he comes and visits me. I know those are all things about being a pastor, but honestly, my job as pastor is to make, pe- make sure people know who Jesus is and to make disciples. Sometimes you make people happy, sometimes you make them mad. The truth of the matter is, is that the Holy Spirit gives us the power to point people to Jesus, and the world needs us to bring peace to the conversation. The world needs it today. Your workplaces, your families, your society needs you to bring the peace of Jesus to them and to point them to Christ. We can't save anyone. None of us here can. We, we can't go out here and I, honestly, I, I believe this. I, I can't even convince someone to know Jesus. I believe that that's, that's the power of the Holy Spirit that turns their hearts. I can't sit up here and argue why something is culturally wrong or why something is morally wrong. I can sit here and do that all day long. I can try to be a person who, you know, uh, uh, does ideologies and stuff like that to try to convert someone to know Jesus. But honestly, the thing that converts people to know Jesus is the work of the Holy Spirit. That's it. Does he use me to help in that? Sure. But there's no power of Daniel. There's no power of you. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And guys, there's freedom when we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's power in that. You and I have this power that we can go and we can, you know what? I don't have to worry whether we have 15 people come to the Lord today or none. Because the the power of the Holy Spirit is going out to this place right now. Whether I say the right things or not, the Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts. And I believe that there will be people who leave here today with a changed heart, with a, with a passion for Jesus because of the word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And there is freedom in that. That is a wonderful freedom. And that world that we live in, it needs this peaceful conversation because freedom is just a peaceful moment away. Some people that you know, they just need to hear the good news. One peaceful moment could change their life. Being that disciple who lives in that freedom and in that peace, it's, it's a wonderful thing. The last thing we look at this morning before we go hunt some Easter eggs, followers of Jesus walk as followers because of his redemption. It's not your work. It's not my work. It's the work of a redeeming God. That's how we're able to follow it all. You know, you think about it, uh, a lot of people say, well, Jesus was made up and there was you know, these men that followed him and they continue to lie. I don't know anybody that would die for a lie. Do you? You know, I think there's some people in the world think, well, the disciples, they all come together and they said, all right, here's our story. Now let's stick to it. And then they go out and then, oh, now they're going to, oh, we're going to, we're going to cut your head off or we're going to put you upside down on a cross or we're going to boil you in oil. Or we're going to do something like that. And I don't think any of those guys would have said for a lie. Okay. Kill me. There was truth. They experienced truth. The disciples knew truth. And I pray today that you and I as the church today, that we live in that truth. It's not your truth, it's Jesus. I hear a lot of people say, well, you need to live out your truth. <laughs> the, the truth of every person is that we're sinners bound for hell. That's the case. We have no hope. That's the, that's the truth. You live in your truth, that's what your truth is. But when you live in the truth of Jesus Christ, there is peace, there is hope, there is freedom, there is life. That's what it is to know Christ. Jesus, you know, he's talking to these folks there. And um, the, the, one of the most probably powerful verses that we know in Scripture, most everybody here probably has it, you know, memorized to some sort. But it says, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, which truly times two means what? Listen up, right? 
Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. What is, what's he talking about here? Some of y'all might be saying, well, pastor, I, I sinned this week. You know, I ate a bunch of peeps after service last week. I, I sinned, right? I wanted a bigger laugh on that one. Which, by the way, thanks to whoever, I know who did it, who peeped my office this week. I felt like I had to, you know, go over here and call a priest to come in and like, you know, purify my office for me. I don't even believe that, but I felt like I needed to do that, you know. Peeps are okay, I guess. But Jesus answered them. He says, whoever practices sin, we may all be saying, well, I sinned this week. What he's talking about here is a person who lives continually in sin. Like they desire sin, not these slip ups, not the stuff like that, but people who know it's a sin and they do it anyways. They practice sin. They continually walk in it. And he says that if you do that, then you're not in control of that. You're just a slave to it. You're a slave to sin. Verse 35, he says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. What's he saying here? Well, basically a slave or more correctly, an indentured servant, a doulos, right? That, that word that's, that's used there, it's not maybe slave like we think. We think like American, you know, South slave. What it's really talking about is someone who was having to work for someone else. And that person, no matter how good an employee they are, they will never be that boss's son. And he says here that if you're a slave to sin, yeah, that's what's going to happen to you. You're just going to be a slave. But the son remains forever. Did you guys know that family is always family, no matter what? You may be saying, well, you don't know my family, Daniel. <laughs> hey, I've got family like that too, okay? I'm not going to mention their names because someone might be listening right now. But family is family, right? A, a position, a job, a, even being a slave, that, those situations can change, but you're always family. It's always a truth. The family is always a truth. Jesus is really calling us today to join the family, to be part of the work. So if the son, he says, verse 36, if the son sets you free, who's the son? He's not just a slave of God or an indentured servant of God, but he's the son of God. And he'd already previously said that he and God were one, right? So if the son, and he's, he should have just, he could have just said it. So if I set you free, then what? You are free indeed. How many of us want to be free today? You know, free from the yourself, free from your sin, free from the bad stuff in the world. I mean, there's times that, man, I just want to take my kids and just like, let's just all live in one house because this is some crazy stuff going on in our world today. Scary stuff. Like I don't, I don't want my, my, my daughter and, and son-in-law, they were down in uh, Fort Worth this weekend looking at a, going to seminary here in a year or so, and I'm thinking, that's great, but I'm like, man, that's a long ways off, you know? Not really, but in my mind as a dad, I'm like, couldn't you just like, you know, do online school and live in McLeod? Because that'd be great. Wouldn't y'all like to have my other kids living here? And that'd be great, wouldn't it? I'm like, that, that would make sense to me, but I know God has other plans because the world is, is a scary place, but we serve a God who's bigger than all that stuff too. And we have to live in peace. If the sun this unique son, Jesus, if he declares us free, then we are free. Let that wash over your mind. Because I believe that there's a lot of people in the church today who they've been told they're free and they've followed Jesus, but they've forgotten that they're free. 
So they just kind of turn around and they walk in slavery. Walk in your freedom that comes in knowing Jesus. Be a person who, you know, experiences that freedom, who knows the truth, who abides in his word. You know, next time you guys see a life group or a, a reach group or a Bible study or something pop up here in church, just go join it. Go be a part of it. The next time it's Sunday morning, say, you know what? I'm going to be here. Sunday school, hey, there's classes for like all these people in Sunday school. Make a point to be in Sunday school. And not so that Daniel's ego can feel better. I, I could care less about my ego. What I can say is that if you come and you devote yourself to hearing the word of God, you will be blessed. And not just that, Jesus told us to abide in his word. If you don't count my word for anything today, that's fine. But Jesus says, abide in my word. Abide in my word. This statement, one, where Jesus says, if you're free, you're truly free. That statement, it like presupposes the truth here is that the Jews have a sinfulness. We can all agree to that. That the absolute authority of the Son is found in Jesus. We can agree to that, right? And there's a glorious freedom which we can have if we follow Jesus. Believers, we need to be walking differently. You know, this, this checklist, I pray you wrote it down. If not, you can look on your app. These little points pop up on the bulletin for the day in our Faith Life app. If you, need, if you don't have any of that stuff, you can say, hey, Daniel, I need the notes. I'll send these to you. But what I want you to understand today is that we need to, we need to look real hard into our own lives. Is this something that we're doing? Are we, are we abiding in his word like we should? Are we, do we really know the truth? Do we really know freedom? And do we walk because... Jesus saved us or because we, we just want to be culturally acceptable. Our mom and dad said, do this. Our society says, do this. And so that's why we go to church. Now we go to church. We, we follow Jesus because Jesus saved us. Jesus saves us. Today, here's the thing. Jesus invites the hearer to be a part of his family. And you may be hearing that word today, to be a part of the family of God. Maybe that's the call you get out today. Like Jesus is like calling you back to redemption. Maybe he's calling you to redemption for the first time. But this word of truth that brings freedom, it lies in being a part of the family. Don't, don't just be a, a person who just comes to church sometimes or reads sometimes or prays sometimes. Be a person who abides in the truth, who abides in the word. Be that person because that's what God desires of us. God wants us to be that way. And if I was to ask you guys a couple of questions, do you know Jesus today? Have you ever asked Christ to be the Savior of your life? I realize that in an altar call or in an invitation, I can sit here all day and just ask. I've seen preachers who just, they try to, you know, solicit like an emotional response from people and they want people to come join. Now I'm saying if the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you today to be saved, then today's the day to be saved. This goes beyond anything I've said today or anything I may say in the next few moments. But if Christ is calling you to salvation, if you realize today that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior, and today you need to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then today is the day. And by no means, when this song begins here in a moment, I want you to come to these altars and give your life to Jesus today. If you've heard that call, do not deny that call. Answer it and say, you know what, Jesus? I'm tired of walking out of freedom. I'm tired of walking out of the word. I'm, I'm tired of, of walking in a way in which you're not glorified. It's hard feeling like I have to watch my back all the time. I'm tired of not having peace. Today you can know peace.
There's probably others in this church that maybe need to answer this question. Have you committed your life to the work of God's grace here in this church? Have you committed yourself to that? Some of us say, yeah, I've been a member here for a long time. That's great. But are you committing yourself to the work that God is doing here? Because here's the thing, God needs you to be committed to his work. If you believe in the church, and a lot of us, we're really good to give money. We're really good to show up on Sunday mornings. But if it comes down to anything else, we're, uh, we're, we're spent. We don't have any time for anything else. That's not a very committed person. I mean, would you like to have a fire department that only came when they felt like it? I was on a fire department for 15 years. And you just, you know, we had guys come on and they wanted a t-shirt, you know. They wanted to get on the fire department so maybe they could get a really cool tattoo or something like that. But the ones who were committed, they were the ones that made a difference in the community. And honestly, as children of God today, we need to be committed to the work of Jesus. If not here, somewhere else. You need to commit yourself to a church somewhere. Maybe today God's calling you to to become a member here. Quit playing around with it. Just come and do it. Say, God, I believe in you. I hear your call today. And so I'm stepping forth in faith. The last thing I would say is, Maybe, maybe you're a believer today and you've never followed Christ in baptism. And I, we don't hear a lot about this in today's society because we think that baptism is not relevant anymore. I want you to understand Jesus told us to be baptized, right? He, he commanded it that we go out into the world and we baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we make disciples. And today, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've never followed him in baptism, let's make that decision today to say, you know what, God, I'm going to glorify you. And I can't think of a better Sunday than Resurrection Sunday being baptized. I'd say now, but that water would be really cold. And it'd take a little bit. If you've never followed Christ in baptism, you've never committed to his ministry, or you've never asked Christ into your heart, in these next few moments, we're going to sing a few lines here of this song. I want you to give your life to Christ in those ways today. Whatever decision you need to make, would you pray with me? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your words. How good and sweet are your words. Lord, I pray today that we will abide in your words. Lord, I pray today that we will be a people who who seek out your peace. And Lord, we live out your peace because we have that. And there's a freedom in knowing your peace. Thank you, Father, for sending your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would move in hearts today, that if there needs to be decisions made in this place today, I pray that you would call them to these altars. You would call them to the front to talk to myself or someone else. That today may be the beginning of a new life for them in your most holy name.